We are down here at Raptor Shoot Around Friday morning with Raptor shooting guard Garrett Temple. Garrett, thanks for joining us on the show, man. Appreciate you having me, man. Great to be here. Yeah, so really want to get into a few conversations with you about your role in the Raptors, uh, about your journey through 12 teams in 14 years, about and about generational differences in the NBA right now, because I think it's actually really funny. Um, and I, I'm going to hit you with a little surprise, too. But we'll start here on the Raptors, right? So take me through the conversations with Bobby and Masai this summer, right? When, when they when they pitched you to, to come on the team, what do they tell you about sort of your role and sort of like their expectations for how this is going to go? Well, um, you know, Masai and I actually got – we met and exchanged numbers um, just as, as, as friends in, um, I want to say, in 2018 – uh, at in South in South Africa, so we had known each other, and then we saw each other again, summer before last, at an event in Fort, in uh, Florida, uh, a Black leadership event, and you know he told me, whenever whatever you know, just in general, whenever you have any questions about the league or mm-hmm. anything like that, hit me up, you know, um, and then this opportunity came up, and uh, when I was released by the Pelicans, and they were the first team to call. Um, Darko called, uh, told me he admired me from before. Uh, and then, um, you know, I talked to Bobby and Masai, and, and they told me they wanted me to be a, a veteran leader, to be a guy that, that's ready to play whenever my name is called. But first and foremost, be a guy that can be a, a good influence on players here, um, show them what professionalism is, and uh, that's what I'm trying to do every day. Yeah. Um, in, in those conversations, you know, when, when they decide to bring on more veteran leaders, like, can you speak about the importance of that around the NBA? Because not not every team in the league is like the Raptors, right? You know, the Raptors actually got a couple of vets. I, I saw Thad just speaking post practice there. Otto obviously been around. By the way, this is your third time being teammates with Otto. That's that's got to be yeah, that's it is hilarious. my third time. Yeah, I was Otto's vet in DC, <laughs> and then uh, we were in Chicago yeah. together, and now and now here. So yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Well, the three of you guys were all also in Chicago together yep, with yep. Thad too. But th- that's that's a rarity in the league nowadays, right? So. Um, you speak to sort of the importance of, of, of that and sort of like what that does for a locker room? Yeah, I'll be with that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very important um, because most guys obviously is coming to the league one, two years out of college. And, uh, you know, Grady, for example, is 19 years old, just turned 20. Um, you know, Scotty in his third year, you know, 21, 22 years old. It's, um, you know, Gary Trent is, you know, you know, a semi-vet on our team and he's 24 years old. So yeah, right. to have people that are, Obviously, the league is a lot younger, so to have guys that are mid-30s, some would say I'm late 30s, to be able to have gone through things and understand different situations, uh, give a different perspective, it's always good. And it's great to have more than one because eventually one voice gets stale. Mm -hmm. So to have more than one voice, um, you know, speak to those things, I think it definitely helps the team, and I think um, it's something that most teams should really think about having. So I think for... Every player, um, well, for most players in the league, right, it feels like they're like the CEO of their own company. You know, they got all these people depending on them. They're so public. Uh, but I think it takes a, a level of humility to get to the point where you accept, like, okay, I'm going to accept the role. I'm going to accept being a vet. What was that moment for you? It's interesting, man. Um, that's, that's so true. Um, unless you're the number five pick or below, um, if you play 14 years, you're going to have to figure that out eventually. Um, for me, I was fortunate. You know, it's a blessing in disguise that I was never highly touted out of high school, never highly touted out of college. 
didn't get drafted. Played in the G League to start my career. Had a couple of stints there. Played overseas during a, during a lockout year. All of those things allowed me to stay grounded and to stay in a mindset of do whatever I can for the coach, mm-hmm. for the team to win. Mm-hmm. So having that type of team-first mentality, I think, allowed me to transition into this role much easier than um, your regular, you know, A-type, A-type personality NBA player. Um, so, you know, I've seen a lot of guys, seen a lot of teammates that were very talented mm-hmm. but weren't, were not starting or weren't, weren't playing, you know, starter minutes, and their mindset – our attitude, you know, got them out of the league. It had nothing to do with their talent. So I've seen that enough to understand as well. Um, being a professional can get you a long way. And, and look, that point comes for everybody, you know. I'm thinking about a guy that you were teammates with in Sacramento, in Vince Carter, right? Vince Carter was like, I mean, everyone in Toronto knows what Vince Carter was. We saw peak Vince Carter. He was like arguably the most marketable, if not him, Kobe, Shaq. Like there was like the top three AI at the time too. Right. To go from that, and then he carves out this, like, great longevity in his career for, like, 10 years as a vet. Goes here, goes there, Atlanta, Sacramento, Memphis, Dallas, all these places. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it takes a certain personality, right? Because yeah, exactly. not a lot of stars make that kind of transition. Nah, and, and, and that speaks to what type of person he is. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you, if anybody that knows Vince well knows how humble he is as a person, how down-to-earth he is. When I first met him, when I first as a teammate in Sacramento, you know, just – talking to him and we playing golf a lot together and just seeing how he, you know, it's, it's, you know, players in the NBA treat their teammates a certain way. We're all millionaires. But when you see how somebody treats uh, staff, when you see how somebody treats a waitress, when you see how somebody treats an Uber driver, that's when you realize what type of people they really are. Yeah, right. And that's, you know, that's why I'm not surprised Vince was able to do that because that's the type of person he is. Yeah. Um, Okay, back to your role right now. So you got two guys in Grady and, and Gary Trent. Right now they're struggling a little bit. They're just a little bit down on the season. What's the process like? Because obviously, you know, you can relate to these guys. You, you, you guys, you literally play the same position. Um, what's your advice and what's your process for, like, you know, reaching out to them and sort of, like, helping them get back to the players that they are? Um, just feel them out. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's just as uh, – the most you can do or the most you should do is just say, um, you got it this game, bro. You know, when you, when you, when you got shots, let them fly. They're gonna, they're, you're going to knock them down. You're going to get out of this rut. Okay. Um, you know, with especially with with Gary, this is not his first time being in a situation where he's not making as many shots as, he's, as he expects to make um, or not getting as many shots, you know. Um, but the, the well will, 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 will fall eventually. I mean, eventually he's going to hit six, seven threes in a game for us, and they're going to be big. Um, Grady, on the other hand, not being in the rotation last game, you know, and being a rookie, not going through the situation yet, you may, you know, tell him to ask you any questions that you may have or, you know, put a few more things in his ear. Um, in these play groups after shoot around, you know, um, pump him up. If you're on his team or if you're on another team, just tell him to be aggressive. Mm. Uh, give him a few more tidbits before a guy like Gary. Just remind him that – he is a shooter, um, and he doesn't need reminding of that. He has that. He has a great menta- a mindset of the next shots going in. Uh, but just a couple of a couple of words of encouragement. Yeah, and, you know, I think sometimes too, it's like it's sometimes like the players got to listen to you too. You know, like you can't just always be delivering to them. Right? You can't 
you know, be unprompted trying to give them advice. Like, you, you know, for sure. You got to pick your spots. That's what makes, um, you know, when people say this person was a good young guy or a good rookie, that's what makes somebody a good rookie or, um, you know, a good young player in the league. Somebody that obviously they're immensely talented and, mm-hmm. and know a lot about basketball. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made it this far. But them understanding that they do not know all everything and that they seek out information. Um, that that's one of one of the best attributes about Scotty Barnes. He's a he's a very cerebral player. Knows a lot. Knows more than seventy five percent of the NBA in terms mm-hmm. of the of his IQ. But he's very uh, very much a guy that's always asking questions, asking what what do I see here, what do I see there, um, and wants to learn. And uh, the best players are continually learning. Yeah, that's great to hear about Scotty. Um, and, you know, that's what's going to really help him in the long run, too. Plus, he's all, also, you know, crazy talented, man. You know, <laughs> coming into the league, you know, he came into the league with, the, like, the NBA-ready body. It's crazy. Skill set was there. Yep. Yeah, obviously, he's going to work out. Um, I, I want to think, another thing I want to ask you about, because I always come here and I see you guys shooting around. You, Dennis, Malachi, sometimes other guys join you, but th- those are the core three, I feel like. Yeah, three Musketeers. Yeah, I was going to say, first off, you guys definitely need a little nickname. So we do need a nickname. That's true. We got to figure that out. Uh, and and we talk to Dennis every week. You know, Dennis gets a little shy sometimes when uh-huh. we mention that shooting competition. But I see how competitive it is. I saw Malachi win it today. This guy literally ran a whole lap around the yes. facility. He he ran before he won. So Because oh, he was the first shooter. So the other two guys who shot second and third always get a chance. So we, me and Dennis missed on purpose for him to go ahead oh, and get that run. Nah, wow. But he ran a little prematurely. Dennis does it too sometimes. Okay. All yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. That's well. I mean, that, that's good though, because you know, one of the big stories this year is just like seeing the whole organization from Darko, from from Dennis, from you, like just putting the arm around Malachi and saying like, "We believe in your talent. We believe you can go." He hasn't really had that for four years here, you know. And you know, whatever the situations before, you weren't here for, but. He just didn't have that same confidence mm-hmm. as he has now, man. Right. Never seen him do something like that before. Nah, nah for sure. Mal is a very laid-back, chill guy. It was great to see him do that because he's not a morning person at all. Uh, he continually reminds me and okay. Dennis that. Dennis isn't either. Um, yeah. So usually I win all the games on shoot-around. I got to build up my shoot-around wins. So uh-huh. so when they get there, they're, they're, they're warm on the practice days. But, nah, you know, I remember watching Mal as a rookie. Um, I think that was the Tampa year. And, mm-hmm. um and thinking to myself, this young guy can play. You know, he had a – maybe I was just, he played against the team I was on and, and he played well, but he's quick. He can get downhill. He's, he's a great spot-up shooter. Um, and he has a mentality of, uh, you know, he's not going to back down from anyone. So Dennis and I both love that mentality. We, we think he's a, um, a very good – he can have a long career in the league and uh, we can continue to push him because he's a guy that's going to be important for us just like he was in Indiana a couple of nights ago. Yeah. Um, yo, listen, I want to talk a lot about, you know, your role with the union too, because there's so much going on. Um, but they just gave me the signal of like, you know, we, we, we got, we got, we got to cut our time a little bit shorter. So I'm going to skip ahead of that. Maybe we'll interview you next time and talk about that. Cause I really want to talk about the process of, you know, the players agreeing to play in the bubble, mm-hmm. how that was. I'm sure that was yeah. a very busy time for you. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, the, the new CBA that was signed, I'm sure again, very busy time for you. Right. Right. Um, and, and, you know, even just what your future looks like, because I, I read around that, you know, you, you're taking your LSATs too, so I'm curious to see what you do long-term. Yep. Say that for another conversation. Let's talk about generational differences in the league right now, right? So you're from the era right now where, you know, you play with Vince, uh, your golf buddies with Kyle Lowry as well, 
right? Yes. Um, you're from that era, right? But then I was thinking about training camp. Grady had this wild quote where he said about you, you know, I could almost be his son. And he just turned 20. You That's know, crazy. And it actually is like biologically uh, feasible. Very <laughs> much feasible. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to ask you, like, so for, for the young guys coming in now, like, is it different in terms of how they can carve a role in the league versus when you first came in like 14 years ago now? Um, that's an interesting question. I don't know if I've had that one. Is it different for them to a different way that they can carve, carve it out? Um, honestly, that's one of the things that has not changed in my opinion. I think that's one thing. Um, the NBA skill set is the NBA skill set in terms of being, being able to do one thing at an elite level will allow you to play in the league. Um, two things will allow you to be really good. Three things will allow you to be you know, all-star, yeah, yeah. all-NBA all guy. Uh, so, you know, for Grady right now, that's his ability to shoot. I think, um, you know, he's just, he's coming in as a scorer. Uh, guys, are a little, guys are stronger, faster. So his ability to shoot and move without the ball will be something that um, we're continuing to push him to do when he's open, let it fly uh, with his size. Um, but I think that is one thing that hasn't changed. If you can shoot at a high level, you'll be able to play. If you can defend at a high, high level, you'll be able to play. Rebound at a high level as a big, you'll be able to be able to play. Um, you know, play with crazy energy. Gerald Wallace type guy, you'll you'll find a yep. way on the court. Uh so those things, in my opinion, have, have stayed the same. Yeah, well, I think one thing that's changed too is the, the the league has gotten younger in your time in the league, right? So there's certain teams and organizations where they have like 10 guys under 20, <laughs> 25, like 25. Yeah. You know, and like who knows? That's why. That's why I asked the question. It's like, who knows which one of these? They're all talented, but who's yeah. going to get the opportunity? Who's going to stand out? Exactly. You know? Exactly. That's that's the tricky part. Because, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was a little bit different uh, from your era. I, I want to ask you about phones too. How do phones and social media change the locker room dynamic? Because when you first came in, it wasn't. No. Nah. It's like 2010. They, people were still not really. They were like using the internet on their computers. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, um, I didn't get Instagram until I was during the lockout season when I was in Italy. Um. That was 22 or 12. Uh, so it's different, man, you know, paying attention to your phone and seeing what people are posting. And, like, like it's, the, I mean, I, I guess it's the, eight old, uh, the uh, old adage now. I guess it's old, an old adage where it's a, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It's a gift and a curse. Um, things that help, things that hurt. So guys have to, as much as they can, try to, like, for me, if I have a bad game, I don't even go on Twitter. Why like when, I, when, I was, when I was on Twitter, when I was paying attention to Twitter, yeah. if I had a bad game, I wouldn't go on Twitter yeah. um, just because I know what it would be. Um, and uh, if you can get to a point where you just don't have social media, mm -hmm. then that's, in my opinion, uh, not a bad way. Or have somebody run it for you. Yeah, uh, right. That's, probably, that's probably, probably the easiest thing to do. But um, that's not realistic, so... You know, just just have a mindset of these people have no idea what they're talking about, and yeah. I could care less. Yeah. Um, that that I, I use Twitter to hit, see what Woj and Shams are going to say. That's, that's <laughs> during, during during free agency. That's basically you, it. You, they got to set up a tech service just for NBA people. <laughs> Real talk. Um, all right. Well, we talking about Twitter, but I'm going to show you something on Twitter that came across because this I think this might speak to generational differences. Or not. All right, I want you to read this this tweet that was uh, from Chet Holmgren, who's like 20, 21. And you, I, I want you to tell me if you understand what he's saying here. 54 from Trey Ball is OD shooting hang pools. 
Yeah, for sure. You got that? Okay. Yeah. Because a lot of people saw this online and their reaction was, I must be washed because I don't understand what kids are saying these days. But Nah, he's saying he's saying 54% from the three. Yeah. Is is OD, which is, you know. Good. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Shooting hang pulls. KD's patting the shot as the left hand hang. Act like, you know, hezzy. He- yeah. It's a hezzy pull. Yeah. Now, we yeah. call it a hezzy pull, but he calls it hang pulls. Nah. Okay. All right, all right, so yeah. good, 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 I'm, good, good. So, so I'm not too washed. That's nah, good. you're not washed. This is good. This is good. <laughs> all right, last question because they're wrapping it up. Uh, give me your starting five of the best vets, you know, to you in your career. Oh man, okay. Yeah. They have to be a, like a point guard, a two guard. Uh, we're positionless. You know? Positionless. Oh, we, we, we doing we, we doing 2023. We doing man. the spo the spo thing. Yeah. Um, best vets: Antonio McDice. Okay. Um. Oh man, Drew Gooden. Mm. We were in Milwaukee together, uh, and then in DC. But when we were in Milwaukee, he was my vet. Um, Stephen Jackson, Charlotte. Yep. Um, Who's that? Is that three players? That's three. And I got to go with Manu Ginobili. Ooh. San Antonio, and Tim Duncan. It's a good team. That's a hell of a team. <laughs> that might be a championship team right there. <laughs> Just veterans, man. All right. Yo, you've been around the league a long time. I know you got lots of stories. We got to set up another conversation just to talk about the other stuff, but appreciate your time now. And uh, yeah, best of luck with the rest of the season. All appreciate right. you, bro.